Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you know what time it is. It is time to get over there and, and, and go PD Pablo on us, right? Take a shirt off, twist around your head, spit it like a helicopter, go crazy, because it is Friday night, and we got the big tilt for some DFS. Listen, y'all got to hear enough of me last week, right? Because I, I did a solo show. It's probably my first solo show that I've done for DFS in like three years, and, and I just ran through it. Although I had a few hits. It wasn't nearly as good as it could have been if I was joined by somebody like I'm joined by tonight. That is Neil, Neil Orfield over there. Neil, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm happy to have you in here. What's going on? I'm doing well. It's Friday night. Love love me some weekends. You know, just two days, two sleeps until NFL Sunday. So I'm excited. Happy to talk some DFS. I'll be, of course, talking DFS all day tomorrow as well. But, you know, I'm happy to talk DFS all day. So happy to be here. You're going to be talking DFS again tomorrow? All day, all day tomorrow. Where, where, when, what? So I'm, I'm on the uh, stochastic. I'm, I'm a stochastic employee. I have two do- two shows that I do every Saturday talking about the Sunday main slate. And then I also do NBA live before lock uh, for stochastic on Saturday. So it's actually one of my busiest days of the week. So, Neil, real quick, because I've been playing. I've just been dabbling. I've been playing. I've been sprinkling some some picks. You know, we were talking earlier about underdog. I've been sprinkling some picks in, right, in the NBA streets, and I've actually hit on quite a few. And honestly, I don't have any kind of analytical background for the NBA. I, I don't study it. I, you know, I'm a fan of the Knicks, which, you know, goes to show you probably why I haven't been following the NBA as closely as I, I might if I actually enjoyed, you know, the, the sport. But I mean, I feel like I've, I've been hitting on it. So is it really that easy to ju- just make money on that if, if you actually understand the NBA and the analytics? No, I, w- I wouldn't say that it's that <laughs> easy to make money on. I mean, I so as I was saying, I, I live in Minnesota. We don't have legal sports betting. It's just prop betting here. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I said yesterday for, for NFL yesterday, I just threw out a card. Uh, I, so I have access to odd shopper it's a kind of the sister site to stochastic which does like a market-based approach looks at all the different uh different books knows the sharp books versus the soft books and kind of compares them to each other to find sharp lines i have access to that and yet i still can't help myself i still like i'm on the treadmill i'm just like ah this looks good to me and and rather than using you know advanced tools i just throw cards together uh but even with the advanced tools it's oftentimes these prop bets oftentimes the best you can find it's like this has a 56 percent chance of hitting the over or the under it's not like you're getting bets that have a 90 percent chance of hitting 
on these prop sites. So no, I don't. I don't think it is that easy. You really do need to to grind to find the best lines uh, across books and you know across different sites and, and have the best information you can. You can be profitable. I know a lot of people who are very profitable at this stuff. I don't actually take the uh, prop betting all that seriously. So like as, as I said, like when I made my underdog card, just kind of throwing it together offhand instead of looking at advanced stuff i take dfs way more seriously than i do than i do my prop betting uh but no i, I don't think it is that easy to be honest that's because dfs is getting harder and harder as, it as is people get more and more educated and you know there's people out there that continue to expand their repertoire and, and their experience within the sport so obviously if y'all play nba dfs y'all should go check out neil tomorrow he's gonna be talking about it all day Neil, are you ready to kick this episode off? Are you ready to build some lineups? Because that's what we do on the show. We just build lineups and give people, you know, cheat codes as to how to make money. Yeah, building lineups, my, my favorite thing to do. So let's let's get into it. Let's go. All right, Neil. So we got a few things to talk about. Uh, you know, a few different things that that are happening inside of the NFL. And I mean, last night, last night was brutal for a lot of people in fantasy. So I don't want to dwell too much on that. I don't need to recap about how everybody with Joe Burrow, their their entire fantasy season has just gone down the drain. The people with Mark Andrews that have been leading. I'm I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to go into it. We're going to focus on what we have on the rest of the DFS slate for week 11. I'm happy for all of those who, who are joining us. Make sure y'all get out those pens, get out the paper and take some notes. But we got some quarterbacks that actually it's a good quarterback slate, right? Like we have these quarterbacks. They finally reached the pinnacle of the pricing. We've pretty much seen where these guys are going to be. There's no more, you know, week five cheat code where, you know, you're still looking at what Justin Fields in the, the 6K range. There's nothing like that, right? We're getting what's given to us. However, these expensive quarterbacks, the quarterbacks in the top four or five, they, they have some tough matchups, right? And although these these matchups are, are something that you typically want to attack, I'm not necessarily sure that that I'm sold on doing that this week. Like I'm not I'm not saying like, oh man, you got to go play these expensive guys. And I feel like that's somewhat counterintuitive because the quarterbacks somewhat separate you from the slate. And if you go out there and you play the majority of the cheaper quarterbacks, you're going to lose a lot more often than you win. Now sometimes you can hit a home run, right? Like. You know, Baker Mayfield in the past, C.J. Stroud. You can have occasional home runs. But, man, it, it, it's kind of brutal just to go out there and play these, these low-salary guys. So are we out, Neil? Are, are there some cheap options on the slate? And you don't have to go through and tell me which ones, but are there some cheap options on this slate that you could really feel yourself getting into? Or do you feel like you, you kind of got to pay up at quarterback this week? Honestly, I think it's a week where paying up a quarterback makes a lot of sense. Just looking through our projections, I'm seeing what the top five projected quarterbacks yeah. on the slate for us are all over $7,000. So it is a little bit tough. I, I do see a few cheaper names that I could take some shots on, but they're not like the best builds. Like typically, I think this is a week where a lot of us are going to be funneled to a similar build, which is going to be expensive stacks, go cheaper at running back. I think that's going to be a pretty common build this week. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you can do that. Uh, maybe you and I will try to flip the script on on a lineup here or there just to see what we can do with a cheap quarterback. But I do think that from a projection standpoint, it's looking like a slate where paying up a quarterback, paying up for your stack makes some sense. 
I mean, I feel like there are some places where we can make some of these mid-range quarterbacks work with like the more expensive wide receivers. But the only way that you're going to be able to get in multiple wide receivers, which by the way, the expensive wide receivers feels like where the money is going to be sitting. Trying to get two of those guys into a lineup with even a mid-range quarterback seems somewhat impossible, but I, I think it can be done. Are we out if we don't play at least one 8K plus wide receiver though? Like we've been seeing like the CD lambs go off, the Tyreek Hills going off. Like if you end up not having a Tyreek Hill, for example, and he sees 20% ownership, or you don't have a CD lamb who sees 20% ownership, you, you don't play those guys. It almost feels like you're out of the running because they are putting up such a significant amount of points, unless you're just trying to go home and make eight bucks, you know, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I look looking at our top projected receivers, our top five are all 8,000 or more. So certainly it, it is looking like the best receiving plays on the slate are pretty expensive in this one. But I will say the sixth best projected receiver as of right now, $5,900 for Tank Dell. So, you know, we, we can find some cheaper receivers, but for the most part, Tank Dell is kind of on an island there as far as projections among cheap receivers. Just looking through the top projected, most are like 7000 plus in salary. So it is kind of tough to go to some cheap receivers. Uh, we can find a little bit of salary relief in that Texans-Cardinals game. Um, maybe if you want to go to that Tennessee-Jacksonville game, you can find some sneaky cheap receivers there. But yeah, for the most part, you're right. It is all of the top projected guys are the more expensive receivers. And it's pretty unlikely that all of those expensive receivers miss this week. So you're probably going to need at least one. Try to get two in there if you can. Uh, I think I'm with you that it's going to be a little bit tough to get away from the expensive stacks. Neil, if you say Tank Dell again, I, I might uh, you know have to take a quick commercial break. I'm just saying like you don't know how much I love some Tank Dell, especially in DFS. All right. I, I, I love it, man. So yeah. We're going to go ahead. We're going to build a few lineups. We're going to start out with the lineup that's going to involve some of our studs. We're going to talk. We're going to discuss some of the studs that we believe should be in the majority of your lineups. Let me go ahead and pull up DraftKings real quick. Add this in. This is going to be our lineups. Everybody, make sure that, that you keep in mind. Let me get Neil's face back in here. Make sure that when you keep in mind, or when you, you see this, you keep in mind that this is a skeleton build, right? We're giving you advice as to what your build should look like and then it's up to you to kind of play with some of these guys and, and figure out which ones work the best and i'm telling you right now the best way to do that instead of having to build 150 lineups yourself is go over there and use the dfs optimizer over there on playerprofiler.com it, it'll literally take the the players that you want the players that we tell you to play right and then it'll build all those lineups for you so maybe you're new to this, right? Maybe you're just kind of checking it out because you have a losing season for your season-long league, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to try DFS so they can still play fantasy football. Well, the DFS optimizer is the way to go so that you can kind of you know, get that in, even if it is the five-cent type lineups that, that you want to get in, the, the nickel ones, right? Just to just kind of play around in the, in the DFS streets. All right, Neil, I need to get from you some dudes that that you really are, are going to be focusing your lineups on you know like these are these are stacks or individual players that you think is going to be in a high percentage of your builds and it doesn't have to be stacks but it can be you can do stack excuse me skinny stacks with runbacks how, how do you feel like going about this where do you feel like you're you're aiming at 
All right, let me give you give you four players to start with here because I think that there is a pretty obvious one to start with. And oftentimes, you know, I start with like the most obvious build. And then as I'm building, I get away from it because I think a lot of the field is going to get there. And then I'm surprised on Sunday that the field doesn't get there as much as I should. So I'm going to give you one that to me seems really obvious, just four players to start with uh, that should work a majority of the time, uh, which would be Tua, Tyreek Hill. Start with that stack. I think that is, to me, just looking at the stochastic tools, those, that looks like a fantastic stack. We have it projected for, we have uh, Tua projected for 5.4% ownership. We have Miami being the top stack 19% of the time. Our top projected quarterback and wide receiver on the slate is Tua and Tyreek Hill. So for me, I'd start with Tua and Tyreek Hill. That's expensive though. It's a, it's a really expensive stack. So I would like to throw in, um, I'll, I'll do the bring back with Josh Jacobs, who we actually have a little bit over-owned in the stochastic tools. But if you're going to stack up that game, I think that Josh Jacobs, especially with AOC in there at quarterback, like Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense as, like it makes sense that they would want to give him a lot of volume. Good things happening there. Tough, uh, e easy matchup there with the Miami defense. So I like the, the idea of going Tua, Tyreek Hill, Josh Jacobs. And then for salary savings, throw Devin Singletary in there. Devin Singletary, who had 30 carries last week, now get, and we already had Dave, Damian Pierce ruled out once again this week. So yep. 30 carries now against a Cardinals defense that is one of the worst in the league. I think you start with that core four. Honestly, I haven't tried to build it, so I want to see how much salary we will have left over, but I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, that's actually where we can start a, a build for sure. Um, we'll discuss a few of these players, and we'll start getting onto that build, but I, I would like to start there because I have not built a Tua um, stack yet this week, so that's very interesting. Now, I'm just I'm a little bit curious. Obviously, Singletary is projected at, at extremely high ownership this week. But outside of that, like I mean, quarterback especially, I haven't seen too many quarterbacks that have been chalked this week because not a lot of people want to play the expensive quarterbacks, especially with the expensive wide receivers. Uh, meanwhile, the cheaper quarterbacks feel like you can't get there, so you end up with a lot of quarterbacks that are in the range of like that that six K. Do you have a, a chalk quarterback that you have projected? A like who do we have projected as being the chalk? Yeah, like, is there anybody above ten percent? Uh, we have we actually have Brock Purdy coming in at the highest ownership, so that which is mm -hmm. a little bit surprising, but I guess that's if you're trying to pay uh, pay down at quarterback. Brock Purdy is the one who looks like we're we're expecting people to do that to pay down for Brock Purdy against Tampa uh, for eleven percent ownership. So he, he is uh, in our projections currently, and this, this things change obviously as you get closer to Sunday, but as of right oh. now. We have Brock Purdy as the chalkiest quarterback. Yeah, I had a whole you know section typed up for Brock Purdy, and then you know I go to check ownership projections, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and take out this entire paragraph in this past hour and a half that I've spent doing research on Brock Purdy because he is the only chalk guy. And honestly, like I, you know, of course that that research remains in my mind, and I think we will come across and talk about a couple of different lineups with Brock Purdy in it. But I agree with you 100. Uh, let me ask you a little bit about. Uh, you know Stafford like do you think Matt Stafford coming back it's time for Cooper Cup to kind of reignite that flame how are you feeling about Puka Nakua is this a, a, a matchup that you might want to attack yeah absolutely a matchup that looks good here Stafford just 6400 so relatively inexpensive and we have him at under two percent ownership currently who knows if that's going to change but it's a fine matchup with the Seahawks we have what are the Seahawks in terms of DVOA? The Seahawks are 23rd in terms of past DVOA. The Rams have a 22.75 implied total as of as of when I made my sheet. Uh, should be a close game with the Seahawks, and that's just 
it hasn't really hit yet the Stafford to Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup stack. I kind of want to try doing that double stack though. It's obviously expensive. Like neither neither Cup nor Puka is a paydown option, but I kind of want to try because we do have a relatively cheap Stafford. I think it makes some sense to go to some lineups and and Cooper Cup. I mean, eighty one hundred is not really that prohibitive relative to in the past we've seen Cooper Cup get as much as like nine thousand. Puka Nakua down to seventy one hundred, so less expensive than they were at one point at least. Uh, so I do think that that is a stack that is going to go a little bit under own. And looking at our top stacks tool at Stochastic, we have uh, Stafford projected for just, wait, where I had this, I want to say 1.8% ownership, but I want to double check it. Yeah, 1.8% ownership going to Stafford, 7.1% chance of the Rams being the top stack. So that looks like a, a great place to go. Oh, man, Neil. You know, I, I'm 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 there with you to an extent, but it feels like you're chasing the dragon, man. It feels like you're you're playing that that stack of us every week, just hoping that one time it hits with both Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. Is that what you're doing over there? Are you chasing the a dragon little bit. a little bit? A little bit. I, I've tried it before, has not worked out. But I will say this: same thing was going on with CJ Stroud for a while. We, we were never seeing Tank Dell and Nico Collins go off in the same week, uh, and I, I guess we really didn't see quite that. But we saw uh, we saw. CJ Stroud go off with Tank Dell and Noah Brown instead and and, and Dalton Schultz. So, you know, it, the fact that it hasn't hit yet, it, it's a small sample size. NFL seasons are not that long. And these are two elite receivers who get just enormous target share. So I have to think at some point there's at least a possibility that it hits. And when it hits, it can hit in a big way. You, you know, what's a way easier dragon to chase is, is the any rushing quarterback below 7K, right? And that's one of my sure. rules is like, hey, if there's a rushing quarterback, 7k or below i'm playing them in at least 25 percent of my lineups minimum like minimum 25 percent it was that way with anthony richardson right who just played around 6500 for a few weeks before he ended up getting injured uh, it's been that way with justin fields and with justin fields coming back he's just too cheap at 6900 i've got to play justin fields in a handful of lineups uh this week and when we look at you know the matchup right it, it's a dream with the the Detroit Lions all of a sudden out of nowhere becoming a pass funnel defense, right? Like it's not like they have a bunch of studs up against the running back, but they've been really, really good. And so teams have just opted to pass against them because Detroit's also putting up points. And I feel like this could be the same week. I mean, two of the past three games, the Lions have allowed at least 320 passing yards and three touchdowns. The one that they didn't was up against Aiden O'Connell. So, I mean, like this, like this is a, a Detroit defense is just giving up a ton, a ton of passing yards. And so I feel like Justin Fields needs to be a lock in a lot of people lineups. In addition with either DJ Moore or Cole Komet, I don't know if I play them both. I think you can play them both, but I'm probably going to be doing a one-off of that and then run it back with like an Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, some other sleepers that we can talk about in a little bit as well. Yeah, I can't I can't get there with you on the 25% of lineup. That is a heavy exposure to to the Bears. <laughs> uh I think that it makes some sense though. I, I understand what you're saying. It's definitely an interesting spot for a quarterback like Justin Fields, who has honestly has legitimate like hundred yard rushing upside. So when you get that kind of quarterback at 6,900 and projected for, we didn't project for under 4% ownership. So definitely see your point with yeah. Justin Fields, not somebody who immediately jumped out to me. And I, I like I don't think I still don't think of the Lions as being like an elite matchup for opposing quarterbacks but uh you're right like there, there's certainly the upside there any week with justin fields and at that price tag that ownership i think that makes some sense to, to go there as well all right so let's go ahead let's build a lineup i know you have a couple other ones we can talk about we can bring them up throughout the the episode let's go ahead and let's build a lineup and the one that you brought up i would love to do a build around uh that's going to be Tua. 
who is the second most expensive quarterback on the slate at 7,700. We talked about him. We talked about Tyreek Hill. So let's go ahead and get Tyreek Hill in. Woof, off the bat. We only have 33,000 left. Meanwhile, you talked about running back with Josh Jacobs. You sure you want to go there? You sure you want to run it back with Josh Jacobs? I am. I, I want to at least try it. See what it looks like. Try it on. See if we can make a good lineup around it. If not, maybe we go back to, a, I don't know, a Jacoby Myers or something. Uh, but I think Josh Jacobs, to me, when, when I look at the slate, seems like a great spot. I think he's going to get the volume there in a nice matchup with Miami. So I, I want to take some shots on J Josh Jacobs. I will say, looking at the Stochastic Tools, looks a little bit overowned this week. So my instincts are not in line with our tools. And typically when that happens, the tools are going to be correct. But at least in, in a Miami stack, it makes some sense as a bring back. So I am going to do a placeholder defense, as most of y'all know, just to just to get it out there. If we decide to change it later on, we we absolutely can can switch that up. You did bring in Devin Devin Singletary as a guy that you want to run it with, so that actually correlates. I yep. put in the Texans defense at three K. So let's go ahead. We ended up putting that in. Do you want to play Singletary to, to correlate with the Texans defense? Yep, let's throw Singletary in there as well because we kind of need the cash savings too. Yeah, at fifty three hundred. That's an excellent excellent uh, savings, but I mean. We, we got some work to do, Neil. We're sitting here with 4,475 average remaining salary apiece. I feel like this creates an opportunity to pivot down. And one of the more popular options to pivot down to this week, Michael Wilson, who popped up on the injury report. I didn't see the details on that. And Rondell Moore, who is one of my sleepers. We can discuss it in detail later. Uh, are you interested in, in playing either one of those guys as, as a run back up against the Texans? Because we are playing the Texans defense. I mean, we can still get turnovers, pick sixes, sacks with with or strip sacks with touchdowns. And, and Ronda Moore, one of these wide receivers, can still be relevant. Meanwhile, they're they're cheap. They're dirt cheap. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point in Ronda Moore. We saw the volume come up last week. Finally, with, with Kyler back, Ronda Moore got some targets. Two targets total over the past two weeks I have pulled up. Um, what, what is the price tag on Rondell Moore? He, he's not somebody that I immediately thought of, but I, he, he's one of my highest exposed best ball players. So I, I'm looking for a week for Rondell Moore to finally Rondell blow Moore. up. Um, Rondell Moore is in here at 3,300. With Kyler returning the offense, the entire offense changing, like a guy who has not really done it at all this year. Yeah. Love the eight targets last week. That is, uh, that's pretty interesting at 33 receptions. They're all the, short. Good yeah. <laughs> You're not really yeah. bringing it anywhere, but I mean, we saw that last year too. He had games where he had like 11, like they were just peppering him with targets last year. But uh, keep in mind hoping. before the injury, right? Before the injury back, uh, not this past, or I guess this past year, right? When Rondo Moore ended up sitting out the majority of the season, I mean, they were targeting him deep. They were utilizing him. It's just, they've been running the ball so often. And this past week, the Cardinals passed a lot. Like their, their passing percentage above expected was, I think, the most of the season. And that's, I believe, because Kyler Murray was there. And I did not expect that. I expected them to run the ball a ton, easing him back in. That's not what they did. I mean, maybe they stretched the field out a little bit. Maybe Ronda Moore gets some action. And these guys are zone beaters. And the Texans, I mean, first off, I don't want to get too much into it because I'm going to talk about it in a second. But, you know, the Texans play a lot of zone defense. I mean, the, the pass that Stingley was beat on last week was just blown coverage. Rondell Moore, with how much they move him around and motion him, he could see some busted coverages and, and some excellent opportunities. So I like Rondell Moore this week as like a sneaky, you know, type play. Can you get behind me on this, or, or you know, do you want to go different different route? I'm I'm happy to to give Rondell a shot. I think that as far as the super cheap guys, I think he has just as 
likely uh he's just as likely to hit as any of the other cheaper guys uh particularly because at this point like nobody really knows what to expect we have a one game sample size with kyler back this year but if you want to expand that sample size to last year we definitely saw some of those games where he was targeted a ton so and we kind of need the salary savings in this lineup so in this one in particular i think it does make some sense Meanwhile, I will bring up that, you know, Singletary, somewhat chalky. We can see some ownership on Tyreek Hill. But, I mean, a way to get off the Singletary ownership with this type of lineup is is not only playing the Texans defense, but also playing Ronda Moore against the Texans defense. Because Ronda Moore is going to accumulate the majority of his points off of receptions, potentially touchdown, but they're going to get a touchdown regardless. You're just weighing that, that Ronda Moore is going to be the guy that scores the one or two touchdowns uh, that they get this week. So, Let's go ahead and let's leverage off of the, the chalk plays that, that Arizona is going to be by playing Ronda Moore against the running back and the defense. Now, where do we go from here? We're sitting here at 48-66 apiece. We have two attack of Aloha, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, Tyreek Hill, Ronda Moore, and the Texans defense. We still need a wide receiver, a tight end, and a flex spot. Neil, where are we going? Yeah, I kind of want to fill in that tight end spot with somebody cheap since we know that we need to have some value options in there. So I think we can go to a cheaper tight end. I don't know. Logan Thomas makes some sense to me against that uh, Giants defense that has just been atrocious. Uh, Logan Thomas is just 3700 so the price is right there. Luke Musgrave, I guess, against these charters could make some sense. Let me look up what uh, the route participation has looked like over the past couple weeks for Luke Musgrave. It's looks like good. Like- and it's garbage. Average depth of target has looked good recently, too, I believe. Yeah, he has over the past two games, 103 total air yards for Luke Musgrave, uh, 65% route participation. He has eight targets over the past two games. So for a relatively cheap tight end facing a pretty bad Chargers defense, I think, you know, that's something you can certainly make a case for Luke Musgrave as a contrarian and uh, cheap option. Yeah, I mean, I think that Luke Musgrave will see a little bit of ownership this week. Nothing that should ever scare you away. I mean, we're talking probably like, what, 5% or so, if not less. Um, you know, Conkle, I think, is interesting, just as like that that boom-bust play if we see this game going to a shootout, especially if Traylon Burks misses a, a game. You never know when a Conkle could actually go off. Um, but I like Musgrave here. I think Musgrave is my favorite tight end, even over Logan Thomas in this price range. I'm down to throw in some Musgrave. Let's do it. Let's give it a shot. Oh, man, now we're sitting pretty here. We're sitting pretty, Neil. We we got 5,500 left, man. We we can we can buy the world off at this point, right? Now, I don't think we can buy the world, but we can at least opt to go with a guy around 7K and the pivot down to, to the 4K range and, and the flex or in the wide receiver position and, and pay up in the flex for a running back if you'd like to do that. Uh, how do you kind of feel this this route going? I, I know that, that we talked about Puka Nakua, who could be an option here. Uh, we talked about Tank Dell, who you love and, and I love as well. I don't want to talk too much about it. I mean, is, is there another guy that, that you feel like fits better with this lineup or maybe somebody with the Chargers that you would like to leverage? Yeah, we could probably play one more Texans player if we wanted to. So either Tank Dell or Dalton Schultz would make some sense in this one. I'm trying to see what other cheaper options we have. I mean, Kelvin Ridley, somebody that we could play, hasn't really hit yet, but that Tennessee defense has been a pass funnel. So 5,400 Kelvin Ridley makes some sense to me. Um, we could always go double tight end, go to go to another cheap tight end in this lineup. Um, a lot of pretty interesting options that we could consider. 
Uh, we didn't go to any of your, I know you're, you're big on fields this week. We didn't go to any of your Bears pass catchers. We could go to a commit here if we wanted to in the flex. Um, what would you rather really, go to? To be honest, like we, we know the bit, we know that the Lions are going to focus in on Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that, that, I mean, I'm sorry, focus in on DJ Moore. Right, the Lions are going to focus in on DJ Moore. I think that Darnell Mooney has some 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 dart throw appeal. Like I, I don't believe in him or anything this week, but I do think that Fields gets there somehow, some way. And whether that's through the conventional DJ Moore, the conventional Cole Kmet, or takes a shot with Darnell, who we know he's had a connection with in the past. Yeah. So uh, our tool. So looking at the boom bust tool in Stochastic, we have Darnell Mooney projected for. 5.4% ownership with an 8.5% chance of making the optimal lineup. So we've got some nice positive leverage on Darnell Mooney if that's a route you want to go to. I I would love some some Darnell Mooney in one of my I don't know if it I don't know if we should play him right here. I'm kind of getting a little bit like nervous saying let's go play Darnell Mooney, but I'm down. I mean, you know, this like I said before, this is a skeleton build for your DFS lineup. So if you don't like Darnell Mooney, then then go opt off and play another guy in that price range. I'm down to take a shot with you on Darnell. I mean, you know, if it gives you, you know, weird feelings, knots in your stomach and stuff, dude, those are typically like the best lineups, right? True. I mean, I will say this lineup is looking very contrarian now. I mean, we we even like Tua is pretty low owned. I think Tyreek a little bit chalky. Devin Singletary kind of chalky. I guess Josh Jacobs a little bit too, but we're, we're getting to uh, enough low owned pieces to offset the chalk. So I, I think it makes some sense. Then what, what we have 7,700 left over. I did not realize, excuse me, for, for completely breaking this off and your question off. I did not realize. I never looked at DJ Moore's price. I just assumed that I was going to play him, so I never even looked at 5600 for DJ Moore? That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. I feel like DJ Moore is going to be on almost every I, – I don't know why. I never noticed this price. I think he's going to be in every single one of my lineups this week. 100% ownership on DJ Moore. Not really, but – just wanted to, to throw that out there. I mean, God, why would we pay down for Darnell Mooney if we could pay up for DJ Moore? Yeah, I mean, we, we could throw DJ Moore in there. Obviously, the, the price is relatively reasonable there for DJ Moore. So if you'd rather go that route, we, we could, we're going a different direction. We're either going stars and scrubs or two mid-range plays. Both are totally viable. But let's see. Let's see stars and scrubs real quick. And if we don't like it, then let's pivot down. And okay. we'll go with, uh, or we'll, we'll pivot up. And go with DJ Moore, but right now Darnell Mooney at 3,300 leaves us with 7,700 left, so we can play another stud, another star, like you said. And I mean, double stack, double stack with Miami. Anybody go with Jalen Waddle? We could do that. well. Click, click on the flex because we could play a, a running back here too if we wanted to. So we just want to see all the best options. Yeah, Waddle. Etienne's yeah, interesting, honestly, but I don't like Etienne up against Tennessee to be honest. Waddle fits in there perfectly. That's uh, that's actually, I mean, that makes a ton of sense to just go to the full-on like a a double glove. stack. <laughs> yeah. It's like a glove. It really does. Uh, all right, so my question for you is that Josh Jacobs, right, goes in there. Like, the, the, the story that we're telling with this lineup is that not only are the Raiders keeping up, but the Raiders are likely winning this game and the Dolphins have to shoot out to keep up because they're not going to keep running with Josh Jacobs unless he's getting touchdowns and they're winning, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know that they trust AOC all that much at quarterback. Having having 
rookie quarterback in there who's not all that great. I think just looking at the the matchup, I mean, the Dolphins are 26th in terms of run DVOA on the year. It's we're, we're not really expecting the Raiders to take a lead, but as long as they're keeping up, I think the Dolphins are going to keep throwing the ball. So if the Raiders are just able to keep it like reasonably close, I think we'll see the Dolphins continue to throw throughout the game. Um, so yeah, it is like the Dolphins running attack has been so good this year that they're not necessarily the double stack, not necessarily getting there as much as it did last year, but we've seen it work several times. The Millie maker winning lineup has been the Dolphins double stack several times over the past year. So, uh, who says it can't happen again, right? All right. We're in there, man. I'm hitting enter right now. This is a single entry contest. I just hit enter. We're, we're in there, dude. We are good Beautiful. to go. I love it, and you know it's it's kind of funny because, like the the Dolphins who started out with a somewhat average right secondary to begin the year, ever since they've gotten Jalen Ramsey back, it's feel like they've been a different animal. So I feel like in order to beat the Dolphins, they will have to run the ball a ton with Josh Jacobs, which I, I feel like we've seen to an extent uh, thus far yep. on the year. So with that being said, let's go ahead and let's get our pretty faces back up here. And uh, I, I, we got to talk. We got to do something real quick for for the fans, just so that they know. We, we got to do a read. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple: they don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be, and now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com, the code is Underworld, check it out. You set your own lines? Neil, you set your own lines. That, that's crazy. Like, I, I don't even... I and the payout changes happen. based on, on the line that you said? Is that how that works? I guess. I guess. That's I mean, really that, interesting. That, openly. That's something that you got to go check out, everybody. Go check it out. You heard it from the podfather himself. Oh, man, yeah. We, we got some other lineups to build. I, I can't take too much time up. We're, we're already sitting here 32 minutes into this to the show. I, I, I'm sorry to rush you. Let's go ahead and let's build another lineup. But before we build another lineup, we got to talk about some guys that we do not want in our lineups, right? Some guys that we think are going to be too chalky or too expensive or somebody that you don't want to put in there. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start you out this time, right? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of a clue as to where I'm going. And this week, I mean, I love Marquise Brown, right? Uh, this guy is not for tournaments, right? Like he is the, one of those consistent wide receivers in terms of fantasy points we've ever seen in the NFL. And everybody thought coming in, this is the perfect boomer bust candidate. Somebody like a Jamison Williams type player who will, you know, get you five touchdowns or get you nothing. And that's not who Marquise Brown has been. He's actually been very, very consistent. But the Texans, man, the Texans have the return of Derek Stingley. And last week, sure, he ended up giving a touchdown away. But honestly, if you watch it, it was a blown coverage over top by the safety. Derek Stingley was supposed to pop up and cover the cover Jamar Chase, who was coming underneath. Said Trent Irwin blew by him. 
He tried to catch up, wasn't there. So honestly, I don't think that was Derek Stingley's fault. Outside of that, Derek Stingley allowed one catch for three yards to a tight end who he was playing off coverage on. So, you know, I, I think Derek Stingley's the real deal. Now, Derek Stingley plays one side of the field. They move Marquise Brown all over the field. But the Houston Texans play more of a zone-type coverage. We already know that the two guys that they go to in zone coverages are Mike Wilson and, of course, Rondale Moore, who we've already discussed. When it's man-to-man, we're talking Marquise Brown, you know, game on for Marquise Brown. When we're talking about zone coverages, we're, we're going to pivot off of Marquise Brown. Now, listen, I, I love the connection that we saw potentially happening with Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray. I mean, they just missed a touchdown last week, like by inches, right? The the downfield completion percentage or on target percentage for Kyler Murray is insane. Meanwhile, we know that Marquise Brown can get downfield. And I'm going to play a lot of Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown to close out the season in DFS, but this is not the week to do so. This week, we're going to go ahead and fade Marquise Brown and we're gonna we're gonna play some Michael Wilson. We're gonna play some Rondell Moore, and and you know, we can play some Trey McBride. But all all four of those guys are honestly pretty chalky across the board. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, that's exactly how our tools see it too. We have Marquise Brown a little bit over owned, around twelve percent ownership, eleven percent chance to be an optimal. So not crazy negative leverage there, but we do have negative leverage on Marquise Brown, while we have positive leverage on michael wilson looks fantastic right now at 3400 we've got him at 10 percent ownership 14 percent chance being optimal uh, i'm not sure if michael wilson is going to play currently questionable obviously rondell moore will get that boost if he's out but yeah marquis brown does look a little bit over owned as of right now in our tools trey mcbride somebody who also has a little bit of negative leverage in our tools right now just because we have met 19.4 percent ownership we still have optimal 14 percent of the time so largely our, our tools are in line with exactly what you're saying just like marquis brown a little bit over owned, probably not going to be a big part of my lineups just because you don't want to chase what the field is doing. Yeah, obviously that's a, that's a big one is, is chasing that field, right? So who do you have over there that you want to fade? Like, is there anybody that you're like, you could not catch me outside putting them in my lineup? Like, is, is there anybody in that realm for you? I don't think I'm going to get to a ton of Brees Hall, just not the best matchup in the world with the Bills. And we've got him at 17% ownership with a 9% chance of being optimal. So just negative leverage there on Brees Hall. I think I would throw him in that bucket. Um, we actually have Pat Fryermuth getting quite a bit of ownership for the Steelers. He's 2,500. So my first instinct was the same as what we're expecting the field to do, which is $2,500 Pat Fryermuth seems too cheap, but who knows if he's going to have a full-time role right away. And again, we've got him at 11% ownership with a 3% chance to be an optimal. So I think I'm going to be fading Pat Fryermuth. We, we have enough, you know, good good tight ends at relatively inexpensive prices. I don't think we need to go all the way down to 2,500 there. Um, man, I feel like I'd, I'd be going against the tools to say I'm not going to play. Yeah, I don't think I can say it. I was going to say, say Saquon, Saquon say Barkley. Saquon Barkley to me, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it because Tommy DeVito is a quarterback now. It's just like, can you trust any part of that offense? But I do think if Saquon Barkley is going to get it done at all this year against the Commanders, like this is the perfect spot to do so. Now that they've gotten rid of Chase Young and now they've gotten rid of Montez Sweat, like I don't think it's a pass funnel anymore. I think it's just a bad defense overall. And the Giants, if they if they want to win the game, you'd think they're going to feed Saquon Barkley. So. I want to say it, but we have, we have positive leverage on Saquon Barkley. And because of the matchup, I don't think I can go against the tools on that one. So I don't think that's it. Uh, I will say one of our biggest negative leverage spots, Dalton Kincaid, which 
it scares me a little bit to fade it, but he's up to 4,900 and we've got Kincaid at 15% ownership. It's a tough spot against the Jets. We have him optimal just 7% of the time. So it's it's not uh, it's not something I feel that comfortable with because he has been getting so much volume in a great offense, but doesn't look great in our tools right now. I have a lineup with Breeze Hall and Dalton Schultz in it, I'm just saying. Schultz or Kincaid? <laughs> Breeze Hall or Kincaid? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said Schultz. I meant Kincaid. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean... If you are going to play them, it makes sense to have those two in the same lineup, right? Like you, you want to play the correlation game. You you don't need to full fade them just because there is negative leverage there. I mean, you look at it it's still like 7% optimal. It's like, that's not nothing. So I have no issue with doing it. It's just something like overall across yeah. my lineups. These are guys I'm going to be underweight to the field on. Yeah, it, it's just kind of funny because the only thing that repeats in my head is that run that Brees Hall had up against, I believe it was the Bills, where he had that breakaway run, but he ran out of gas because he was just so That's out right. of shape yeah. from being injured all year. And it's like, if only he was in shape to just take that one to the house, he would have, you know, I think we would be having a completely different conversation actually this week because not everybody remembers that run that he had. Oh, I remember before. I remember that run very well because I saw this. <laughs> I was like, one? man, last year he would have, it might have been week one. And now, now they also got rid of Michael Carter. So like, and, and they're saying they want to get Delvin Cook more involved. The coaches are saying they want to get Delvin Cook more involved. But I think it's really just Brees Hall is that good. They don't really need. And who, maybe he gets more involved in the passing game now because it was kind of, we just thought a couple of weeks ago, they were just peppering Michael Carter at the end of the game with targets. Maybe Brees Hall is that guy now. Can can we interest anybody in a flyer on Israel up in the condo? Like, I mean, is he going to be I'm active? Saying, <laughs> I feel like he has to be. He's the third running back now. True. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think that's just funny. I think it's a, a funny deal. Like if somebody played Izzy and he ended up somehow getting a touchdown or two on like one touch, two touches. All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and let's build this next lineup. Uh, you know, you said you'd actually like to build a lineup with Fields, right? Like this could be the lineup. Let's do it. I mean, lineup. Fields is your guy. I feel like we got to go to a Fields lineup. We have to do at least one Fields lineup. That's literally what I told everybody is you're going to see an Anthony Richardson or Fields lineup. Any rushing quarterback we're going to do one at least minimum if they're below you know 7k so yeah a justin fields lineup has to be played and honestly dj moore at 5600 uh still blows my mind as to how that happens i mean this dude was an absolute stud on the field with with justin fields and although he played some easy defenses right and it just like manifested itself because all of a sudden justin fields broke out of this this curse of this mindset that he was having and, and after his first two games, just crushed it with DJ Moore. You still got to take that chance. Like, we're not playing cash games. We're talking about tournaments here. And this is the ultimate boomer bust duo right here is, is Justin Fields and DJ Moore. So we got those guys in there. Do we want to run a triple stack? Do we want to go game stack heavy? Do we want to play, like, David Montgomery or Jameer Gibbs with Amon Ross St. Brown and – you know, go with a sleeper in here and also play Cole Komet. Do you think that this game could actually hit that like 60 point threshold that we've seen the the potential of both these teams having? So my biggest hesitation with, with this game potentially going off is the Chicago side. So if we're playing it with fields in there, we're playing it like Chicago is going to be putting up points. I feel confident that Detroit is going to put up points on this Chicago defense. So yeah, I think if you are playing a fields stack, I would I would full on game stack and I would certainly have at least one bring back. Um, how, how do you how do you usually stack up your fields? Because I can go both way with you can do the double stack. You could always single stack fields and hope for the rushing upside. How do you prefer to play it when you when you stack up fields? I mean, I could run fields out naked if I you know really feel like it. it depends on you know how the the defenses play. To be honest, in with Detroit, 
we never really know what to expect. Like we don't know whether to expect man or zone because they switch everything up so often. We don't know if they're going to end up taking, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the possession time of possession and not even giving an opportunity. But with this game, I honestly feel like we could see a ton of breakaway opportunities for Jameer Gibbs, even David Montgomery, who I don't think is like typically if David Montgomery's in one of my lineups, I'm playing that defense. I don't want to play him with because he's going to get five yards carry on every single carry, but he's been carrying it 20 times a game and that's going to run the clock out and you're not going to have very many opportunities for the other players to score. So I don't like going to heavy stacks when I play David Montgomery, but I think that that could change this week because the bears defense is just so terrible. So, you know, I, I like playing fields naked. I like playing them with the one-off stack typically because I like the rushing upside. I normally don't do double stacks. Okay. That um, makes sense. You know, meanwhile, I, I have philosophy with the Lions as well. So uh, with the for- Lions, I, I will say this about the Lions. We have Jameer Gibbs currently projected for 17% ownership. We have David Montgomery projected for under 1% ownership. So oh, at those ownership levels, David Montgomery go. looks fantastic to me. Did, did you hear about what Dave Montgomery did last week? Giving up the goal line, the goal yeah. line carry. Yeah, pretty awesome. Is he going to do it against his former team? I don't know. Fuck no. This is a revenge game. That's right. So and this, he's, I, I was just waiting for you. I, I was kind of building it up. I was I was waiting to see if you're going to take it. But I mean, you know, essentially I was going to get to that point. Is this is a revenge game for David Montgomery? Like this yeah. is where they let him walk for Khalil Harbor. Like they let him walk for Deonta Foreman. They let him walk. For, for nobody, essentially. Yeah. They drafted Roshan Johnson after saying they don't need him anymore. Dave Montgomery, <laughs> Dan Campbell's going to light a fire under Dave Montgomery's ass that is going to push him to probably three or four breakaway runs this game, which I don't know if David Montgomery's ever had a breakaway run because he's not fast enough he just to did break last away. Week. I'm just I think kidding. he stepped out of bounds, by the way, but but he had that <laughs> yeah. one. It was like 70-something yards, right? He did, he did, man. It was like Ramondre Stevenson with a 68-yard run where we just haven't seen it, you know? And yeah. it's like, oh, my God, he can't like, do it. Where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, this is a David Montgomery game, man. Like, this is this is him right here. And and I think that Detroit's up. And honestly, to get off the leverage, I, I don't even feel like we need to play Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't feel like we need to play those guys because Dave Montgomery could have three touchdowns in a Jamal Williams-esque, you know, experience. And that's all we have to do. That's all we have to play. Now, we could go super heavy on this. We play some Cole Komet. We play some, you know, some Laporta. Some Laporta. We could, like, go crazy on this matchup. Yeah, I think it depends on what you think the over-under is going to be or what you would bet on the over-under. I think it's in at 48 points or so, 48.5. Ooh, that's tough. Um, Let me look at that. But, I mean, regardless, I feel like if we're playing – Fields lineup. We're playing for the over. If we're playing Justin Fields in the lineup, we're assuming an over. Uh, so we could we could stack it up a little bit more than this if you wanted to throw in a Darnell Mooney. But you, I mean, you said you prefer the the single stack. I think that makes a lot of sense. We could see that the same thing they did with the Commanders with the three touchdown game for DJ Moore. That's what you're really hoping for here. Yeah. So that could certainly happen again. Concentration um, of points to to limited players. We're hoping for Justin Fields to get a rushing touchdown. You know, plus probably 60 to, to 80 yards receiving, or I mean, rushing, excuse me. Like, we're looking for concentration of points in this matchup. And I think that the, the game story, right, if we're going to tell ourselves a story, that could happen on this level. You know, I, I'm, I'm down for this. Let's let's roll with this. Let's roll with this, you know, this one-off stack, and let's see if we can uh, we can work something else. Yeah, and we, we in this one, because we went a little bit 
I guess we didn't go that cheap, but cheaper than the last start, at least. We have a little bit more money to work with here. Um, so looking at just looking at our boom bust tool at Stochastic, the three players who currently have the highest odds of being optimal are three mid-range Texans guys. Devin Singletary, Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, all kind of falling in that uh, over 20%. They're, they're the only three players on the slate currently that we have that have an over 20% chance of, of flex plays, at least over 20% chance of being optimal. So I think throwing one of those three in there makes some sense. I mean, do, do you have a preference between Singletary, Dell, and Schultz? Yeah, let's go Tank Dell for sure. That's my babe. Yeah, um, We're going to play him. Uh, and I, I don't want to play Tank Dell and Schultz because now we're insinuating that touchdowns are going to happen from C.J. Stroud, uh, which True. might end up overcoming Fields' production. And we kind of don't want that game to be a shootout. We want that game to have a ton of offense with turnovers included, which Stroud last week was turning the ball over. So, I mean, we, we want turnovers to happen without touchdowns. Yeah. So I think if we go Schultz, we're insinuating touchdowns, especially if we play Tank Dell in there as well. I'd like to get an Arizona guy in here, and we could – like have a ton of money to play with like we're talking about something we're talking about being able to leverage the, this entire slate with this lineup i'm about to propose which is putting in michael wilson so we have justin fields dave montgomery dj moore tank dell michael wilson i mean this is kind of what i brought to you at the beginning of the show where i was like can we get there without an 8k wide receiver or an 8k plus wide receiver this could be the way that we do it um and and save money are you against playing Tank Dell and Michael Wilson? Is that too cheap for you? Not at all. No, I think M Michael Wilson, we've got some positive leverage on him. 10% projected ownership, 13.5% chance to be an awful. The only thing is we, we just need to, you need to remember on Sunday to make sure that he's actually in the game because as of right now, oh. he's questionable. So Should we put Rondo more in there just in time being. <laughs> you, you don't have to remember this. Yeah, just so I'm I don't have to remember alarm. this lineup. You know, like, yeah, I don't right. know. I'll check it. I'll just, I'll forget that this is the lineup that I just changed Michael Wilson out in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put Rondo Moore in for now, but I think Michael Wilson could could easily fit that. Um, once again, this is a skeleton lineup, everybody. So go use the DFS optimizer over there on player profiler, playerprofiler.com to find those those optimal lineups using the skeleton build. But yeah, I mean Tank Dell, Rondo Moore. That's a that's a fun combo of two guys that I feel like we're like I, I think I tweeted this out. I think I said that Tank Dell is is what everybody wanted Rondo Moore to be. Like including yep. myself, like, and I love Tank. That loved him from before, uh, you know, before like the the whole evaluation process was happening. Noticed him right out of college. I'm like, this guy knows how to score touchdowns. He he's led the league in in yards. And like, yeah, he's small, but like, this is a different animal. This is a different player. This is this is somebody that's just they're, they're built different mentally. So yeah. I think that that Tank Dell is what we all wanted Rondell Moore to be. And he's succeeding over there. So I think this is just kind of fun right here. Meanwhile, we have 5,500 left. I want to put a placeholder in defense in. You know, if we're insinuating turnovers, I think that we could go with the Texas defense again. But is there a defense that you that you really love this week? I mean, we're, we're the one that I like for this situation, who's only sitting $200 more than the Texans, would be the Dolphins up against the Raiders. We all know that, that Jalen Ramsey's back. He's looked healthy. Uh, we're assuming that by, by playing three lower end wide receivers that neither Waddle or Tyreek Hill are going to put points up on the board enough to, to break the slate. So is Miami in play here for you at all? Yeah, Miami certainly in play against a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Make, make some sense there. Yeah. I, I don't use, I don't have strong opinions about defenses, but that's certainly one that could work out 
against AOC in that defense. So yeah, I don't mind that. Would you like to play Devin a chain to to kind of stack that up together? Or a chain, excuse me, a chain. A chain. That's right. Yeah, we we know now. We know now how to say it, so we can. We know. We know. Yeah, right. Um. Yeah, Achan makes some sense to me. We have met. <coughs> excuse me. Very little ownership. Uh, he's a guy that we know doesn't need a ton of opportunities to get there. Certainly is somebody that you can play. So, um, yeah, I think Achan. I don't know that the tools are really like updated for what we're really expecting this weekend, but it sounds like he's good to go. I'm expecting him to come right in and, and get some opportunities just based on what he showed early in the year. So, yeah, if, if you want to throw Achan in there, I think he's a guy who's going to come in relatively low owned due to being out for so long. Yeah, and and honestly, keep in mind like the clips that came out about Mike McDaniel were more meant like like comedy type clips, like saying like you know like how, do you have a chain in fantasy? Like yeah, how much money do you have in fantasy? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. funny. So I, I think that they got clipped out, but right after that, he goes on to praise about how a chain literally like came back to practice, couldn't be touched. Like the guy was literally untouchable, is what he's saying. He's like people tried to tackle him and they couldn't. They couldn't even yeah. put a hand on him. So he's hyped that, that A-Chan is back. Uh, you know, it does worry me, but we don't have to – 10 touches. He could get there in 10 touches. Especially against that Raiders defense pretty easily. Like, I mean, he's been doing it all year. He's been just a monster out there. So, yeah, doesn't need the opportunities necessarily. All right, let's go with A-Chan for this lineup. We're sitting at 6K left. We need a tight end and a flex. Uh, we go to tight end next and then figure out where we want to play with it flex, or do you have a guy that, that you might want to flex that you have in mind? Um, and then go with a tight end to see what we have left. No, let's fill in. Let's fill in the tight end. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of interesting options here. So we, we we already decided we're not going to Dalton Schultz. I think we decided we're not going to Trey McBride because we're going to the Arizona receiver instead. Um, could go to somebody like Evan Ingram. Looks pretty good. We have him nineteen percent ownership, twenty percent chance of being optimal. A little bit of a pass funnel there in Tennessee, and Ingram has had pretty pretty nice production and not not production he's had pretty nice opportunities this year uh so at some point you would expect him to hit i don't hate the idea of playing a pretty inexpensive evan ingram um what about what about sam laporta i mean i know that we talked about david montgomery getting touchdowns but he has to get there somehow yeah you know, and if you want to have stack five this game. breakaway runs like yeah no, I, I think i think he's a legitimate threat here let's let's throw him in there let's, let's try it out See how it All looks. Right, we have 6,200. It feels good. I don't know how it feels looks, good. but it feels good. <laughs> I think it looks good, too. I think it looks good. All right. I'll take that. Oh, man. Aaron Jones looking at us in the face. Like against, I mean, his, his opportunities have come up recently. Let me look over the over the past two games what Aaron Jones' opportunities have looked like because I think it's been elite. Yeah, he's, take, he's been playing 58% of snaps, 33 carries over the past two weeks. He's also run routes on 50% of dropbacks for the Packers he has 11 targets so it's 33 carries 11 targets over the past two games that's pretty elite now it gets a Chargers defense that is been a it's been a run funnel for forever less so this year this year they've just been kind of bad overall but yeah I think that makes a lot of sense going to Aaron Jones there at least five targets in the past four games he has five five six six hey, that's nuts um Dude, I mean that, that he fits in like a glove. These lineups just coming together for us. I it, honestly like I, I can't even try to argue. I don't even. I'm not even an Aaron Jones guy, right? Like I'm not that. Yeah. Not the Aaron Jones guy. And my favorite player on this slate with uh, with Gibson being out is is Brian Robinson, who is 400 bucks cheaper. But uh, I feel like we got to go with Aaron Jones, you know, in hopes that he sees that focal point. I mean, Brian Robinson Jr. By the way. Didn't get to talk about him earlier. 
But, I mean, he is a sweet matchup, and he's been seeing targets lately. And, like, teams aren't even paying attention to him, right? Because he hasn't been used in the receiving game as much as he has recently. I mean, like, who else do they have? Chris Rodriguez, right? They have nobody uh, behind that. And and I'll be at that game. So I'm sure that it's going to be a shit show for Washington because I'm going to end up showing up and and rooting for the commanders for the first time in five years. And uh, I'm sure that that Washington will find a way to fuck that up because I've never been to a game where they've been winning. But that's a good thing for Brian Robinson if he's involved in the passing game and gets to see some receptions because Washington's losing. I mean, you can't Um, can't ask for a better matchup than the – Tommy DeVito led Giants. Like it's a terrible defense. They're not going to be able to to score. So you'd think the commander's playing Short from ahead. Opportunities, a game script yeah. that really works out for Brian Robinson. Yeah, everything is there for Brian Robinson to absolutely smash. I still feel like in this particular lineup, I would probably go Aaron Jones just because we have the salary for it. And he's gonna my guess is that Brian Robinson's ownership comes up uh closer to lock, but uh I think either one of them is is a fantastic whatever you want to play. This is this is your lineup, your money online. So if you think that you just like oh, Brian Robinson is, better in a vacuum, I think that makes sense. This is gonna be our money after we win. I oh mean, that's I true. Okay. It's gonna be our money after we win big. Uh no so I actually I I really like Brian I can't I can't come up with a game script where Brian Robinson isn't heavily involved and doesn't see 20 touches. I, I think that Aaron Jones sees north of 15 touches, but I can come up with a plenty of game scripts where, you know, AJ Dillon all of a sudden is, is taken into the house uh, at Green Bay, where, you know, he typically does towards the tail end of the seasons when they, they need to start reeling it in. They want to save Aaron Jones for the playoffs. Now, obviously, that might not be the situation this year because they probably won't make the playoffs this year. But, um, yeah, I'm down for either. Let's play Aaron Jones. Let's get Aaron Jones in there. We can play Ro- Brian Robinson another time. But I will say that Brian Robinson is in probably close to 25% of my lineups. To me, that I would be, I'd be more inclined to play 25% Brian Robinson than Justin Fields. So I can get closer to to where you're at with Brian Robinson right now. <laughs> I am like we. How many lineups gonna, do you play a week? It varies. Like so, I'll, I'll play probably every any week. I'm playing at least 30. Uh, I have not been 150 maxing this year. It's just gotten to the point where I, I don't think it makes sense. So typically somewhere in that like 30 to 50 range. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm right around 100. Typically, I, I'll enter 50 to 150. So it just depends okay. on how much time I have. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some sleepers, man. Let's let's discuss some sleepers, Neil. We got some time, a little bit of time. How many time we have? We got four minutes. <laughs> no, we, we can we can spend a little bit of time if you have the time in. We don't have to rush through this too quickly. But of course, we do want to escalate this a little bit. Uh, do you have some sleepers that, that you really like? And sleepers can be somebody that just has very low ownership, somebody that's super cheap. Uh, who do you really like this week that that you think you would classify as a sleeper? I mean, Stafford, I already kind of mentioned him earlier, but we have Stafford at four under 2% ownership. So at that level of ownership, I think uh, at quarterback, Stafford, definitely somebody that I would consider. Uh, Jordan Love, I think we have it under 4% ownership. Again, great matchup for the Packers against the Chargers. They're probably going to need to be throwing it. So don't hate the idea of playing Jordan Love uh, just at, at quarterbacks. Those are a couple um, as far as running backs go so if you want to go like way way off the wall which i like to do from time to time uh, and i did this last week and it almost worked out not quite uh but with the cowboys being at the panthers last week we saw everybody wanted to play tony pollard i kind of think that's going to happen again i actually played some rico dowdle last week uh and it worked out fine didn't i don't think he hit his ceiling outcome which is 
like playing half the game because he last week Rico Dotto we saw got 50 yards in the first half I thought he was very live for 100 yards and a touchdown ended up with 79 and a touchdown but in a matchup with the Panthers terrible defense if the Cowboys can put him away I could see Rico Dotto being a guy who ends up getting more opportunities than most people are expecting so that's kind of my like most off the wall type of play um yeah, I think the Brian Robinson ownership is going to come up significantly, so I, I don't think that I could name him as a sleeper. He would have been one if if the ownership was going to remain low. Um, you could go, I mean, with Devin Achan returning, uh, we we currently have Raheem Mostert at sub 1% ownership. I don't know if I totally trust that, but if we could get Raheem Mostert at low ownership, I think that he also, like whichever one of them on Sunday, if, if either one of them is getting low ownership come Sunday, I think either one of them makes a ton of sense as a, a sleeper running back. Um, so those are just a few off the top of my head. Uh, what do we have Saquon? We have Saquon at yeah 10% ownership. So yeah, it's, um, I, I, I guess I mentioned him as, as a fade earlier, and now I'm going back and saying, if he was low enough, I'd consider it. But we do have mm-hmm. yeah, decent like sub, ownership going there. Sub 5%, sub 2%, yeah. somewhere in that range. Uh, you know, I, I went to start typing up a thing once again about Tony Pollard. And I just thought he was going to see low ownership. Turns out that he's not. I think that as we get closer, Rico Dattle hype is going to pick up, especially because of the echo chamber that's created within DFS, where everybody talks about the guy that could be it. Rico Dattle, you know, looked more explosive last week and yada, yada. But Tony Pollard's still the guy there. So I think if ownership drops like below 10%, I'm going to have a lot of Tony Pollard as a sleeper. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. If he ends up getting lower owned, yeah. currently we've got him at 14%, but I, I agree with you. There, there is something to like people played him last week and he failed for them. So then sometimes people are like, Oh, I'm not going to touch him this week. I'm not going to make that mistake again. And they jump off and then the player goes off. So you can, you can hope for that. I mean, we haven't built a single lineup and I haven't built a single lineup by the way, uh, prior to the show where Tony Pollard fell into my lap at the pricing that he was at. Like it just yeah. didn't happen. Like I haven't seen Tony Pollard's name pop up on my my sheet one time within the top five names, and and if I have, I haven't noticed them because they're just sexier options. So I think by the time it's all said and done, I don't see how Tony Pollard comes in north of ten percent ownership. So I'm probably going to be playing him a lot more often in terms of a you know somewhat of a sleeper. Um, my main guy over here, I've I have two guys. One's more of a dark throw, the other guy's more of a sleeper. JMO who is getting so much hate because he hasn't been able to catch, right? Because he has They're loving not... him right now. You said they're loving him? In, in Detroit is loving him right now because he's oh, been yeah. showing moxie. He's been blocking. He's been just he's been saying all the right him. things. I just want to be, yeah. Block? I watched oh, yeah, the block, great block. Game, yeah. and I was like, dude, he just threw his body at that dude. Does he yeah. know that he gets injured pretty easily? Like, it's like, don't right. do that, James. Right. Oh, I know they're telling you to block, but don't Yeah, do to be that. clear, I agree with you. DFS players not loving him right now, but Detroit, I think, loves him right now. Yeah, I mean, and, and he caught both balls last week. He didn't drop anything, which is inspiring, to say the least. Uh, you know, he, he just seems like he's getting his football feet underneath him. And, and I'll tell you this, man, in the offseason – I, I bought up a lot of JMO, and then I saw this Instagram feed of him at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was on the West Coast, so you know for me, it was like 11. For him, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he's just like sitting there looking into his phone, doing this weird swervy dance thing, and people were asking questions about football. He's not even saying a word, and then all of a sudden, I don't know where he goes, stop asking me about football. I don't give a shit. And like at that point, I got fucking scared. Like he, he, that one. he felt like football, it, it's not out there. I was literally watching a live feed and he said it real quick and he ended his feed almost immediately. He's sitting in his car by himself. It was done. Like nobody, like 
if anybody was recording that, they would have made a lot of money through, you know, whatever outlets yeah. they decided to send that to. I don't think anybody got. But I will say he made me nervous in the offseason. I think that the city's gotten behind him. I think that the coaching staff has gotten behind him. I think that he's getting his mindset right. And although I don't know any of this stuff, I'm just guessing. It just looks like he loves football again, and it didn't look like he loved football earlier in this year. Meanwhile, com competition's coming in with DPJ. The whole football community right now in terms of fantasy is against him. I don't think he's going to see high ownership. And it's maybe it's more hopeful wish or you know wishful thinking versus like you know statistically uh, accurate type information. But I think that in a high-scoring game, if you're going to stack this game and you want a contrarian play, I think JMO should be in there as a dart throw. But Kyle Phillips is my guy. Kyle Phillips is the dude that I think uh, you know, as long as Traylon Burks is out, could end up seeing a significant amount of targets, uh, could break the slate with a couple of touchdowns at his price. He's not going to kill you if he doesn't go off. But, I mean, Kyle Phillips for me is is a dude that, uh, like, he, he just can't do no wrong for me, right? Like, like I, I can't see him failing your lineups, but I can see him making your lineups for you. I think that he can get in the end zone. I think that if this game – becomes you know somewhat of a blowout on the other side of the ball and we have to see the titans pass i think that kyle phillips could be heavily involved i mean you know tajay spears is is a guy that that i would like to see in that role but they still have derrick henry meanwhile kyle phillips has nobody else in front of him i mean so like, let me give you give you my pros and cons to kyle phillips so the con to me is only 44 percent route participation over the past two games for kyle phillips doesn't like scream a high floor guy more of a you need him to really hit on one of his plays because he's not out there. He's not running enough routes. The pro would be the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator came out a few weeks ago and said, we want to force teams to be one dimensional. We want them throwing the ball. So they're one of the few defenses in the league that is actually trying to make other teams throw the ball. And in that case, Kyle Phillips, I mean, certainly a guy who, if you're going to force him to throw, he's a guy who can get into the end zone. So I think that there's, you know, there, there's pros and cons there, but as a player who's going to get like zero ownership, yeah, you can certainly make a case for a guy like Kyle Phillips. I mean, if you had to face Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor four times a year, would you want them running the ball? Good point. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe that's what he's talking about. So, I mean, yeah, he wants, you know, the, the opposition where he has to play multiple times a year to, to throw the ball. Uh, but meanwhile, Jacksonville, you know, they also have speed, right? So they, they want guys dropping back so they can get the sacks. The way that you avoid, you know, giving them sacks and giving them strip sacks and turnovers is to find a re release valve, which is Kyle Phillips. That's yep. why I like him this week. Meanwhile, Jacksonville is not great in the slot. So we have to see what happens. I think that he's obviously the price for a reason, uh, you know, the cheaper guy for a reason. But I, I think he is a, a sleeper that you should consider putting in your lineups if you're down there playing in the low three 3K range. All right. We have one more lineup to build. I, I You know, what? I normally don't don't suggest suggest like the final lineup unless the guests pick, pick the other two. But there's a lot of of heat going around for brock purdy and i think jordan love could be fun but brock purdy might give people a little bit more of a um you know a, a building point as to where they can expect you know to go with with these games because this should be one of the higher scoring games on the slate um and something that where both teams are actually past funnel teams uh baker mayfield is also another guy that you know i i would put up there for uh contention but Obviously, with Brock Purdy being chalk, well, not chalk, he's 12%. With Brock Purdy being up there in terms of ownership percentage, uh, you know, maybe we should build that and give people a way to leverage off of the chalk. Yeah, we can try. Uh, you can certainly make good lineups with Brock Purdy 
Uh, it's always tough for me to decide where I want to go when I have Brock Purdy in lineups. So you start with Brock Purdy. You, you got to name the players you want to stack with. Who, who do you like with Brock Purdy this week? I don't know. That's that's your job. You got to figure that out. I just told you it was your <laughs> job. What are you talking about? I'm the guest. <laughs> um, so honestly, like I, I like George Kittle. Um, obviously, moving forward up against Tampa Bay, I think that he's physically imposing and probably the best athlete on the field. Meanwhile, we don't see a ton of pressure from Tampa Bay. Like it, It's kind of like clockwork, right, with, with – San Francisco. If you have a good rush defense, George Kittle ain't going to have nothing for yards because they're going to leave him in the block because they yep. need the extra blockers. Uh, we've seen San Francisco pretty much be healthy on the offensive line for the most part. Uh, I don't think that it's mostly sure Tampa doesn't generate a lot of uh, pressure. I think they're probably around 18% pressure rate. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, right. So I, I don't, I don't, they're not going to, get a ton of pressure, which means that George Kittle should be involved in the receiving game plan without just being screens and stuff. We're going to see downfield uh, targets to George Kittle. I really like George Kittle uh, in this situation because I don't think that he sees a lot of ownership. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, let me see here. And I don't see a lot of people paying up for tight end this week. I think a lot of people are going to be using tight ends as, as budget players. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't think we're going to get a ton of ownership to the guys you have to pay for. Yeah, we have Kittle at 1.5% ownership. So, yeah, looks like a nice spot. Yeah, yeah, let's click smash on that one. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Christian McCaffrey, interesting for the receiving game purposes. I don't think he's going to do a whole lot in the rushing game, but uh, I, that's that's a good thing for him, right? They're going to alternate, yeah, exactly. you know, his touches, and he's going to get a ton of work in the receiving game. So Makes a lot of sense in a Brock Purdy stack. We, we have uh, Christian McCaffrey, 13.6% ownership, 15% chance being optimal. So we have some positive leverage there too. So to me, it makes a lot of sense in a Brock Purdy stack. Let's go with Christian McCaffrey then. I know Tampa is second, but very similar to San Francisco where you're going to see a great number up against Rashad White. Rashad White doesn't get used in the running game. He's a primarily a, a pass catcher, which is how I'd actually like to, to run this one back. Let's do it. Is going with the pass catcher, the, the receiver, Rashad White, not the running back. All right, so we have 4,500 left over still. Dude is is just, he's getting, I mean, 47 yards, 46 yards, 7 yards, 65 yards in the past four games for Rashad White. This dude is not a running back. He's a receiver. Yeah. This is Which the is next great, great passing catch, power pass catching back. Yep, looking great. All right, uh, do we want to run another wide receiver with this? We know that San Francisco, like I said, is a is a pass funnel defense. Uh, we could do Mike Evans. We could do Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin probably has no ownership. Mike Evans is probably what five percent, ten percent. Yeah, we have we have yeah we have Evans at five percent, uh, right on, and then Chris Godwin we have at one point seven percent. So I think, I mean. Evans projects better. He's been the guy this year, but I still think Godwin has those big games in him. So I don't hate the idea of playing. And he's cheaper, 800 cheaper, 6,600 for Godwin. So I think Godwin would be my preference just because he's cheaper and lower ownership. Um, but clearly, if, if you want to go to like Evans has been the guy this year, he's been the one getting it done. So, yeah. God, anyway. this is insinuating this game is going to be a shootout, which is really scary. Like, that is, that is scary for a Tampa San Francisco game. Like, are we are we doing this? Are we doing it? Is this something that could actually happen, or should we go skinny stack? Are we getting too involved here? Let's see if we can. Let's let's throw in some some cheap options here because we're at this point it's looking difficult with sub four thousand left per remaining player. We gotta we gotta choose some. Godwin's uh, expensive some cheap guys. for what he's done, man. 
He is. Yeah, we. I wouldn't mind getting Godwin out of there. If I were, that would be the first one out of there if we're going to redo this. Yeah. Well, let's, let's check a defense real quick. Let's do a placeholder. I mean, it looks like we're probably not going to be able to fit a Miami player or a Vegas player in here. So let's play that defense as like a solo play. You can okay. help with that. Sure. Um, and we can pivot down or we can pivot up. We we now have 4,200 left. This is getting tight, man. This is getting so tight. Yeah, we got to get two receivers in this. So probably at least one of our receivers needs to be pretty inexpensive. Kyle Phillips. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you just made the case for Kyle Phillips. Why don't we go to your guy? Yeah, let's let's take a take a look at that real quick before we just throw him in at 3K. I mean, he's had 61 yards, 68 yards receiving without the touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been, uh, you know, pretty much as, as lame as a wet bag of chips where the bag has been opened and everything's stale and nasty at this point. Yeah, um, three touchdowns a couple games ago, right? <laughs> it's been like, what, it four weeks ago. Was it that long ago? Okay. Yeah, yeah it was a while ago. Uh, maybe three weeks, but I think it's been I think it's been four. Um, yeah, I mean, Kyle Phillips is, is there, right? And although he doesn't give you a ton, if he gets you double-digit fantasy points, you're happy at 3K, right? True, yep. Yeah, we could try that out. Are you happy for three, or are you happy uh, getting double-digit fantasy points? Let's say it gets twelve. Are you happy with that playing a three-K player? Yeah, I'm not like ecstatic about it, but on this slate where I don't think we have that much great value, I think I'd be happy with twelve points out of Kyle Phillips. Yeah. All right, that's not just a cash play, right? We're talking tournaments. You're you're cool with, with hitting that mark. Yeah, I mean, we we just saw what was it uh, a few weeks ago? We saw Utakau take down the Millie getting 6.9 fantasy points out of Bijan Robinson. So uh, you can certainly win the Millie getting three, getting 12 points out of the 3,000 min-price Kyle Phillips. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right, my friend. We have about 4,800 left, 9,700 in total. We have Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Rashad White, Chris Godwin, Kyle Phillips, George Kittle, Dolphins defense. We need a wide receiver and a flex spot. Are we going to go with a stud and uh, a feasible guy, or should we go mid-range on this one and find some guys around the 5K range? Thinking we could go mid-range. We, we could go back to your guy, Tank Dell, once again. I think is, he looks right here. Uh, Quentin Johnson, another guy. I mean, we, we do have Keenan Allen in there, but Quentin Johnson has seen increase in opportunities. He's just 4,200. If we want to go to different players than we've seen in other lineups, I think that makes some sense to go to, to somebody like Quentin Johnson. Yeah, so Quentin Johnson, sexy. Sorry, I I had to check on Christian Watson over here, forty six hundred. I never even thought about playing uh, uh, Christian Watson, right? I'm I'm thinking like Jaden Reed, just because of of the pricing. I look at Christian Watson at forty six hundred, who's seen at least seven targets. This guy's seen seven targets, at least seven targets, at least five targets for the past five games, at least seven targets in three out of the past five games. I mean, but he's not doing anything with them, right? He has one good game, okay game. Like Kyle Phillips is probably doing better than him and he's been half the price of him throughout the whole thing. So if you, if you want to talk about chasing the dragon, I've been doing that with Christian Watson. Just like it seems like at some point he has to hit on some of those long plays. Hasn't happened recently. But these are the, those are the kind of like this is a great spot against the Chargers. Uh, as you said, he's he is leading the team in route participation over the past couple of games, 72%. Route participation, he has a just 13.6% target share, but that is leading the team at least. So a guy who hasn't really gotten there recently, but we know that he has the ability to put up that long ball. I don't hate the idea of going to Christian Watson, and that's uh, obviously cheap, uh, pretty pretty cheap there. 
My, my fear of Quentin Johnson is, is the tough matchup and the fact that he caught everything thrown his way last week. I mean, that's, that's somewhat of an outlier uh, this True. far in the season. He did have one good game where he caught five of six, but for the most part, um, he's been about 66 uh, catch percentage or completion percentage when targeted. You know, he's a downfield receiver, right? So we don't expect him to have a get a great catch rate. Um, but the thing is, is the catch is that he's supposed to be making, he's not, and he's not getting targeted enough to have drops, to have a 66 uh, completion, you know, rate. So, you know, go ahead. I think, I think we have exactly the right amount to get to, is it 4,600 for Christian Watson? And then is it 5,100 for Devin Singletary? Or am I thinking of Dalton Schultz? I think it's 53 for, for Singletary. Oh, you're right. It is 53 for Singletary. So we can't quite get there. I was thinking that would have been perfect if we could get Watson with Singletary. Who could we get for if we, if we throw? Let's, let's throw him in real quick at 4,600. Chuba Hubbard. Wait, let's throw him in the wide receiver. Wide receiver position at 46 for Christian Watson. Now for the flex, we are looking at Jalen Warren, who I love this week. Um, I know that it's completely contrarian play. I just I love it because it's contrarian up it's up against Cleveland. Uh, John Dotson, who I don't want anything to do with. Deontay Johnson, who I don't want anything to do with. Dalton Schultz, who just doesn't correlate with our lineup. We have Darrell Henderson. I mean, honestly, it's really ugly. This whole like, yeah, it high... is kind of ugly. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. I mean, he just had the big game last week. We've but are they going to be a pass? Uh, maybe not. Uh, dude, this isn't all right. Khalil Herbert is here, um, but I mean, three-headed monster, dude. This is an ugly. All right, I'm just I'm giving everybody a heads up. We're looking through the the slate, right? That everybody that's listening to the podcast, we're looking through the slate, and from 5100. Down to probably 4,600, 4,500. It is ugly. Like, this is not an area that you want no. your team to land for the last spot. I, I'm going to take out Christian Watson, man, because I just don't think that, that I like anybody in this range. Unless we, even if we pivot off, well, actually, no, you know what we could do? We could do a correlation where we pivot down from the Dolphins defense, go with the Texans defense, and then play Singletary. Beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Right? Like, that correlates. It works out. Let's go ahead and get rid of the Dolphins D. Let's play the Texans D. And that puts us at 5,300 left, which That's awesome. leaves us with Devin Singletary. Boom. There, that's, a, that's a great looking lineup. That is. That is. It, it came to fruition. We don't have a ton of chalk. By the way, I mean, by playing Chris Godwin and, and Phillips here and Christian Watson, there's no way you're going to hit. Nobody else's lineup is going to be built with those three players in there. Yeah, it's going to so be it's going to be a unique. Lineup, maker. Yeah. You're not going to find that lineup anywhere else. You don't have to worry about chalk. You don't have to worry about anything along those lines. Uh, you're you're in there. So we do have Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Rashad White, Chris Godwin, Kyle Phillips. You have uh, Christian Watson, George Kittle, Devin Singletary, and the Texans defense. Neil, love it, man. We ran over. We ran 15 minutes over, dude. I'm about to get fired for that. It's going to happen. I'm blaming it on you. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. Apologies to the the entire team for going over on the big tilt. It's but okay, we made some man. good lineups. It's all going to be worth it when you hit on these lineups. You're going to get your salary yeah. and more. Yeah, the, the whole team better be playing these lineups because if they're yeah. playing these lineups, they're going to win money, and then they would be happy that we went over to discuss exactly. that final one because if we were rushed, we never would have gotten to that final one. We never would have thought about how we could drop down the offense defense and then correlate Singletary with the Texas D. It never would have happened. 
exactly. So at least we made the right lineups. Well, hopefully I didn't get you into any trouble, man, by keeping you for too long. Before I get you out of there, where can we find you, man? You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. I do a lot of showdown content right on Twitter. Otherwise, I'm on the Stochastic YouTube channel, or my written work is on the Stochastic website as well. So, uh, yeah, at, at Stochastic, uh, the, the YouTube channel, uh, or if you just want to find me, again, at PlayerQDFS on Twitter. Love it, man. Thanks for coming in. Hopefully, we can beat our best lineup, which, by the way, took place with Jacob Sanderson back a few weeks ago. Um, Jacob Sanderson. Oh, oh, you know Jacob. I see you nodding your head, huh? So yeah. Jacob and I started, uh, well, we were on the Big Tilt last year doing the whole show together. He came back as one guest spot this year, and, and we absolutely annihilated. We were three people away from having the optimal lineup. Ooh. Like the optimal, not the not the, the Millie Maker winning lineup. Three players away from having the optimal lineup, which we could have all fit those guys in. And Ooh. we were we talked about playing those guys. We just didn't get there for that lineup. And we were, oh. I, I that's tough. That's cried tough. Cried in my bed until at least Thursday. From Sunday <laughs> to Thursday, I I shriveled up like a prune in the middle of my bed. All right, thank you guys for tuning in. You guys can go find me over there at FF underscore Intervention. Make sure y'all tune in next next Friday night, seven p.m. That's right. We're doing something on what what is that? Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving weekend. I'm still here, baby. Yeah. I'm still here to make you some money. And make sure y'all go follow me on Twitter to get my favorite slate, some of my tips for my favorite slate, the Thanksgiving slate. And Neil, I don't know if you cover that one, but that one is- Oh, that's I love my, that one. God, yeah. it's so good. It's Every so year, good. it's amazing. It's it's my favorite one to play. That's actually the the slate that I've made the most amount of money on ever in my entire life. So nice. I, I love it, man. I cannot wait to join that. Make sure y'all go check that out over there on Twitter at FF underscore intervention. And tune in next Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys.